Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and I'm the Deputy Director of Communications at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, my guest is David Fetner. He's the managing partner of Grow America Builders. And David's been one of Chicago's premier general contractors for over two decades. As a third generation builder, David's expertise in high-end retail and commercial construction provided a seamless transition to cannabis industry construction. Grow America Builders is a national design build construction firm specializing in the cannabis industry, ranging from dispensaries, labs, extraction, grow houses, greenhouses, and beyond. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. You betcha. So let's start by getting to know you a bit. Can you tell me a bit more about your background and experience uh, before moving into this cannabis space? It sounds like you're from a family of builders. I am. I am. I've kind of got a, a roundabout way of getting here. Um, I, um, like I, like you mentioned, third generation builder. My grandfather was a builder, my father, and so am I. And, um, you know, I started, actually, I went to University of Iowa to be a writer. I wanted to be, a, that was my, my dream. And at Iowa, I, um, you know, I learned a lot as far as, you know, I had a lot of anxiety, social anxieties, and cannabis was really a savior. It um, really balanced me out. It was able to allow me to, to go out and do things and be social. So I was always like a huge cannabis consumer. Um, after Iowa, I ended up going to law school um, where... I, you know, through the three years of law school, again, I, I shouldn't, you know, you can't say this while you're in law school, but I consumed cannabis the whole way through. And <laughs> it, it was, again, it, it's something that I, I was using it medicinally, not even realizing what, you know, medicinal marijuana was at the time. Um, but I graduated law school and started working with uh, my father in the construction company, Fetner Construction. So for like the last 20 years, um, I was managing our construction projects, you know, whether it's we're building a church or a restaurant and then, you know, wearing the law hat at the same time where, you know, maybe that evening I'd be going and arguing for a variance. Um, I served on our local town's zoning board of appeals for eight years. I was a commissioner and, you know, again, all the while, you know, a happy consumer of cannabis to really help, you know, balance everything out. And then when cannabis became, you know, medical and then eventually recreationally legal in Illinois, I wanted to get involved somehow, um, you know, whether it was a dispensary or a grow. And that just, you know, as you probably know, it's just economically, it's very prohibitive, especially in Illinois, to get a license either to grow or mm -hmm. for retail. So I was sitting in my office, my childhood best friend who we wanted to do some type of work together and like a light bulb went on, like, hey, dummy, like you can build these things. You're a builder. It's what you do. And 
about two days later, we started Grow America Builders. We got the LLC set up. Um, and, you know, here we are a few years later. And, you know, we've built in, I think, seven states and multiple dispensaries, craft grows all over the country. Gotcha. I can really relate to your uh, college story. I I really didn't start using cannabis until I was a freshman in college. Um, And also it was it was a medicinal draw for me for depression and anxiety. Um, And, you know, I've been consuming ever since 21 years later. Mm -hmm. So I can absolutely relate to that. So so since you were already consuming, um, it just seemed like a natural way for you to to move into the space since since you're already supportive of it you didn't really have any you know any mental hurdles to get over even though it's still federally illegal is that right Mm -hmm. yeah no definitely no mental hurdles and the the beauty of it like i sometimes i pinch myself is i've combined you know something that i I, i'm gonna say i love right consuming cannabis and with something that i do for as a living and it's just, it's a wonderful place to be in. And the industry is, you know, it's just phenomenal. You know how it is being in this industry. It's great. Um, but here we are able to, to build facilities. And we started out just doing dispensaries um, and mostly medical dispensaries because, you know, that's really where the market was. And you see people in need and you see how it really helps people. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many times we'd be, you know, coming to, you know, whether fix a punch list or fix something up, you know, after the, the facility was already up and running. And you see just the on people's faces, um, you know, as they're coming in and, you know, getting their, their cannabis for the medicinal use. You betcha. And, and for yeah. me, as a longtime cannabis activist, um, when just medical marijuana was the goal, you know, that, that was probably what we thought we were going to achieve in the early 2000s. Oh, you yeah. know, fast, fast forward to 2014, when I moved to Colorado and walked into a dispensary and was able to just give them my ID and give them some money and like get the cannabis back and walk out. That very, very simple transaction was mind blowing for me as, as a brand new like adult use customer as well. So we have certainly come a long way. <laughs> a long way and super fast. Super you betcha. Fast. So, yeah. Okay, let's make that joke that we make all the time. Being in mm-hmm. cannabis is like dog years, right? Because it moves so fast. <laughs> we call it weed speed. It moves at weed speed. Ooh, that's a new one. Like I that? like that. I do okay. like that. Okay, so weed speed to present day. <laughs> Grow yes. America Builders. You're working with them and you started yep. with dispensaries and now you're doing the labs, the extraction facilities, mm-hmm. the grow houses, the greenhouses. What else is happening with Grow America Builders this year? Yeah, so it's again, it's myself, and my partner started it, Mike Calentis, and what um, you know we wanted to focus on was a construction company that was national, that our sole focus was in cannabis industry. So you know, there's a lot of construction companies, obviously, that you know they'll build you know a dispensary or a grow, they'll build a restaurant, they'll build a factory, but everything that we do at Grow America is only in the cannabis industry. So, you know, we eat, breathe, sleep, you know, cannabis. We're always able to focus all our attention in the industry, which I think is kind of unique. And there's a few others that do that. I'm not saying we're the only ones, but it really allows us to really immerse ourselves in the industry and, you know, try to be on the cutting edge of everything that's new out there. So everything you named, you left one important thing out and that's consumption lounges. And that is just, we're, we're getting more and more calls on yes. consumption lounges. We've got an awesome one that we're going to be doing up in uh, Muskegon, Michigan. That's just going to be phenomenal. It's going to be an indoor, outdoor venue. 
Um, and so I really think, you know, obviously when we, when we first started this about three, three and a half years ago, it was a lot of calls about dispensaries. Then that kind of shifted, I'd say two to one calls about um, growth, right? Craft grows because you need the product. I think everybody learned that there's a lot of dispensaries out there with their, you know, nothing to sell. There's no product. So craft grow, grow houses, that was, you know, very popular. And that still is, trust me. I mean, we still take a lot of calls on that, but consumption lounges is, I think that's right around the corner to be, you know, just as popular because I think there's a need for for it. I think that as long as it's done right, it's going to be the next, really the next true innovation in the cannabis industry. You're so right. I mean, social consumption, public consumption, obviously the mm-hmm. laws are pretty restrictive in most of these states with adult use laws. You're not supposed to consume on public property. You can't walk down the street, you know, with a spliff. Um, uh, but, but, and, and of course, Denver here in Denver, where I'm based, we passed yes on 300, like five Mm -hmm. years ago. Uh, it was the 2016 election and it's just been a struggle to get the city and the regulations and the businesses all aligned there, but there is such a need for it. There are people who maybe live in, you know, public housing and they can't consume there. They need a safe place to consume. Mm -hmm. Um, Our original goal was to be able to, you know, go to a concert and maybe go to the outdoor area and consume cannabis, um, you know, as an alternative to alcohol can't do that either. So right now we're just looking at these lounges as a possibility and it's just so slow, but it is something the people need. The consumers need a space to go other than their homes to consume. So I can't wait to see what happens here in Denver. It's super slow going. Um, I think there's some in Berkeley, California. Great to hear that Michigan's moving in that direction as well. We really, really need to, we, you know, that's the consumer side. We can grow it and make it and sell it, but where, where can people legally consume it? You know? Exactly. And you need the city on board. So you need the local municipality on board. And as long as they're on board and you do it right, um, you know, it's, there's going to be some really nice consumption lounges, consumption, you know, Again, what we're trying to achieve in Michigan is a concept where it's a place, you know, if you don't want to go and, and have a drink, you go to and, and, you know, have a smoke and sit and hang out, watch a ball game, go outside to the fire pit, maybe walk around, mm. you know, there's, we'll have a, a little outdoor paths, gazebo, et cetera. It's just a, it's just a place to hang out and chill with your friends. Again, you made a great point. There's not everybody, you know, has a house where they can go in their backyard or, or, you know, sit on their front porch. Yeah, there's people that are have restrictions of what they can, you know, smoke and ingest in their, you know, so I think that the consumption lounges are going to be great. And that's something that we're really excited for in the future. You're so right. All right, let's take our first commercial break. And then we'll come back and chat more about cannabis construction with David Fetner of Grow America Builders. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. 
Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore with NCIA, chatting with David Fetner from Grow America Builders, whose company is all about serving the cannabis industry, building and upgrading facilities, which I'm sure is a very exciting time for your clients, right? Like they're excited to be doing this, but you know, I'm sure. I have another word for that. (laughs) Overwhelmed sometimes. It can be very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Sure. I mean, well, there's a lot of complexities and, you know, I think we've both been in this game long enough to know that there's some roadblocks and, and this industry can be riddled with so many regulations and compliance issues that just hit you like out of left field, right? I think we know, you know, the basics are that we can't build a dispensary within like a certain number of feet within like a public school or a church. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Every state has their own um, requirements specifically. And it's always specific to a school, uh, a church or a daycare facility has to be a certain distance from the dispensary. You know, sometimes it's 500 feet, sometimes it's a thousand feet. And then it's up to the local township or municipality to make that additional decision. They may say, okay, Arizona state law is 500 feet from a school church or daycare facility, but maybe Scottsdale will say, well, we want it to be 750 feet. Um, But it always starts out based on the state regulation. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Are there any other little complexities or roadblocks that are just about as common as that that you could mention? well, yeah, you know what um, there are, and it's kind of funny. I just want to go back. We were talking about, you know, the, the restrictions from a school. I've got a interesting story. It just gives you a glimpse into how, you know, this industry is sometimes with construction, which is totally okay. different than the standard construction industry. Yeah. So we had a, a project we were going to build in Chicago, downtown. Great project. It was going to be a flagship store for a client. And they had already done all the due diligence. They were 508 feet from a Catholic school. Um, they had and gotten the feet. 508 feet. They, so they got the, the approval from the board of directors. They had gotten the pre-approval from the alder woman. Everything was ready to go. The I's were dotted, the T's were crossed and we were ready to start, um, the Friday after Thanksgiving. And it was maybe that week before the Friday before that week started. And everybody received a letter from the archdiocese of Chicago saying that he got wind of where the dispensary was going and was not happy with it. And that put the brakes on the project and long story short, um, ended up building the dispensary outside of the city limits because once the archdiocese, you know, puts the kibosh on it, it's a no go in Chicago. So oh my we're ready, ready to start. We're a week out from construction. And even though the rules and regulations said 500 feet is fine. And we were within that requirement um, you know, there was enough pressure that it just wasn't worth it. It was just a no-go. So wow. anything happens just because it says something on paper, you still have to have everybody behind it in the neighborhood. 
gosh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. where's those weed weed growing and smoking nuns I read about a couple of years uh, ago? We need right, we need to get right. them to talk to the archdiocese uh, there. We need gosh. to connect them. And should I mention there was a bar literally right next door to the schools too? So I mean, well, go, go figure. Yeah, go figure. There's a fine line between Saturday night and Sunday morning, uh -huh. as they say. I guess, I guess it's true. <laughs> all right. Well, we talk all the time about the fractured state to state regulations, which we hinted mm -hmm. at. And but even within the state, um, because nothing's national. So when we get as specific as construction laws, this is totally separate from the seed to sale compliance that we know. So what mm -hmm. are the complexities and nuances in the construction law when you're dealing with this yeah. state by state by state framework? Yeah, that's another great question. And this is some sometimes where I have to put on my legal hat, right, and open up the code book and the compliance and see if I can dig a little deeper. But again, right, there's no state to state um, or there's no universal cannabis construction code like we have in construction. There's a universal construction code um, that governs, you know, how you do construction for most types, right, electrical, plumbing, carpentry, masonry. Um, and that governs and that makes usually it easy to work from state to state. Whenever I take an exam for, let's say, West Virginia or Arizona, you're using that one book, the Universal um, Building Code. But when you get into cannabis construction, there are some quirks to it and it could be different. So, for instance, right, what's the, the number one difference when you're building, you know, dispensary rather than a different retail stores? You have a vault. And states to states have different requirements on their vault. So we can be building a vault in Arkansas that needs to be one way. And we could be building a vault in New Jersey that has to be totally different. So that's where we'll kind of, we'll dig into the book and be like, well, look, we just built it this way in New Jersey. Um, so we'll ask the inspector in Arkansas, can we build it the same way? We're gonna be able to save our client, you know, $20,000. We don't have to build masonry construction and it's not spelled out in the codes. So nobody knows what the answer is. So that does make it very difficult. I think once, hopefully things go federal, there'll be a more uniformed, um, you know, national quote construct, cannabis construction code that'll help, you know, with vaults and, and different surveillance and things of that nature. But until then, it's, it, it is very fractured. Uh, but, you know, I'm dealing with the same challenges that anybody in our industry is dealing with. It's just, mm -hmm. well, you know, we're just, we're all dealing with it together. Right, right. Trying to keep on top of, you know, this state versus, versus that state mm -hmm. and so on and yep. so forth. Yep. And, you know, I, I even a few years ago had heard stories um, in the in the early days here of adult use about uh, you know applicants or licensee applicants having to go actually build their whole facility before their license could be awarded um, I think Washington yeah. State maybe had that going on it's oh yeah it's hard to remember at this point because the years right. you know but you know it just it just seems counterintuitive to me from like a basic logic standpoint but what are your thoughts and experiences around that kind of you know order of things it would seem that way wouldn't it but um, <laughs> actually in our experience um it's been super efficient so the first time we built in montana uh, our client called us and we had our our you know pre-construction talk with them. And we said, okay, do you have your license? And they said, no, uh, we don't get a license. We don't know if we have the license until we build the facility. And it was like record scratch. It was like, wait, what? And said, that can't be right. They want you right? to build it first. And, and then they'll say, okay, you have the license now. They said, yeah, that's how it's done here. So I said, okay, I got to talk to the inspector. So I called the state inspector 
And sure enough, that's how it is. It's, you know, they, they have to get their pre-approvals, right? Background checks, et cetera. And then they want you to build the facility. Once it's built, they'll come out. They'll make sure everything's good. Then they'll say, okay, you have your license. So it's something where you think, well, wow, that's a big risk. But if you, if you have mm-hmm. trust in the system, and I know, you know these days it's hard to have trust in most governmental systems, but mm-hmm. if you have trust in the system and, and we've seen it work, it's actually a pretty efficient process because you don't have the state being inundated with, with license applications and then being held up. I mean, you see just what's going on in Illinois. They just finally awarded um, the craft grow licenses after like two years. So here, let's say in Montana, you build it, they'll come out They say, okay, looks good. Here's your license. Good luck growing. And it, it, I think it streamlines it. Now you can't do that in every state, obviously. Okay. You can't do that in, in you know, high metropolitan states where I think it would just, everybody would just be building and I don't think they'd be able to keep track of it. Mm-hmm. But it actually, right, seems counterproductive, but in the places that we've seen it and where we've done it, um, it's actually been very efficient. Yeah, I guess you just have to do it right. And, and the cases of somebody, you know, investing millions of mm-hmm. dollars or what have you into a build only to, you know, not get a license. I think that would be the worst case scenario. And right. then they're just stuck with this building that they, you know, invested all this money oh, into. Of course. And that's why I said there has to be trust with the system. And, and there has been a track record where, hey, if you meet our compliance and, and really it's, you know, security compliance, if you meet our compliance, and you build it and you've already obviously passed the background checks, we'll give you the license. And it's been interesting and I've seen it work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we have just a minute or two before our next commercial break. Um, I'm curious about uh, any specific con- construction components that are unique to cannabis construction mm-hmm. versus other industries. I think you mentioned the vault. Um, mm-hmm. Totally get that. I think there's a dispensary here in Denver that was built where an old bank used to be. So there was like already a vault there, for example. Yeah. But what else might be different about cannabis? So, right, a vault is definitely um, very unique. You also have odor mitigation systems where, you know, there was always odor mitigation systems in certain restaurants or cigar shops. But now with, you know, cannabis construction, we're seeing these odor mitigation systems really on the cutting edge of technology because, you know, where we used to build a, a grow house, you know, out in the sticks or, you know, miles from population, we're starting to build them out in more populated areas. I mean, you know, we have one on, you know, on the books ready to go. That's going to be a kitty corner to like an Arby's. And when you're doing that, you want to make sure that you're not, you know, having the, the cannabis odor going all over town where you're, you're, you're basically putting a big spotlight on your facility. So the odor mitigation systems are something that's very unique. Um, we're seeing more and more dispensaries put them in, especially dispensaries that are, you know, in a, in a strip mall where the landlord is putting that in saying, hey, if you're going to open the dispensary here, I need you to have an odor mitigation system so that it's not wafting into the, you know, the Jimbere next, next door or something like that. Mm. So, so that the odor mitigation is very unique. Um, and just overall layouts, you know, that's something that when you're building typical construction or we're building, you know, we, we've built uh, with Vetner Construction. Um, food laboratories um, and drink laboratories. And the layout for a cannabis lab is different than any other facility I've ever seen. It's just, there's a whole uniqueness to it that is uh, unlike anything else in the industry. You got it. Well, we're super unique. (laughs) We are unique. All right, let's take our last commercial break and come back and wrap up our chat with David Fetner of Grow America Builders. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. 
Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore with NCIA, and we've been learning about the cannabis construction industry or the construction industry in cannabis, however you, you, you want to word it, uh, with David Fetner of Grow America Builders. And it's... It's great to get back, I, I gotta say, uh, to the expo floor, to actually yeah. see my fellow industry colleagues across the country later this year, this last year and a half during COVID. Um, and, you know, we're still not totally out of the woods yet, but uh, we, we are, a lot of us are vaccinated. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're getting, we're getting back to having our, our award-winning trade shows. And, you know, I can't wait. Uh, we'll be in Detroit. We'll be in Michigan, uh, Detroit for September 22nd and 23rd for our Midwest Cannabis Business Conference. I am really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm hoping between now and September, um, we're, we're avoiding further lockdowns and restrictions. So, um, and then after that in December, we'll be in Baltimore for our Eastern Cannabis Business Conference. And then a week later uh, in San Francisco for the seventh annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo. Uh, just quickly, did COVID impact your business operations? So, well, first of all, we're super excited. We're going to be at the Midwest Expo for sure in Detroit. Can't wait for that. And I think we're also going to be in Baltimore. Um, it's like so, so many expos, so little time, but yeah. um, we're just trying to make up for lost time, but we love the expos and we can't wait to beat the next. Hopefully we'll meet up in person at that point. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, COVID actually ramped up our business. Um, hmm. You know, cannabis dispensaries um, were considered essential businesses. And we had a few that were under construction at the time. And we just had to, you know, keep pushing through it. Obviously, it was super challenging. But I think we traveled more during the months of COVID, like, the, like that year, than we ever traveled before. Um, and we just had to take the precautions and, you know, go with the flow on it. But, you know, projects had to get done. Um, you know, knowing how important it is for people to get these up and open. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was just, I'm glad that they were deemed essential businesses. And, you know, when they were, when COVID was shutting everything down, they were allowing a lot of dispensaries to be able to do delivery service mm -hmm. or drive-through service, which is something that really you didn't see that common before. And now it's pretty commonplace. Yeah. So, you know, our clients were like, we need to get open. We need to get open. We need to be able to, you know, start delivering or start um, doing curbside. So it just, it was a, a really a, a 
super quick rush to get everything done during COVID as quick as possible. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm, I'm super pleased that cannabis was deemed an essential business. We even used a hashtag cannabis is essential uh, during that time as well. That, that was that was great. Um, mm -hmm. So as, as we emerge out of this, um, I think I've talked on other podcast episodes with some folks about how some of this is going to stay. We're, I think they're going to yeah. continue the pre-online ordering and the curbside pickup, um, and hopefully we can get delivery going here in Denver soon as well. Um, these, are all, these are all great um, services that um, we just, you know, it took COVID to, to thrust us into that. And another uh, issue that happened over this last year, um, you know, the Capitol kind of got uh, shut down a little bit. They put some mm -hmm. fencing up around there. So Lobby Days, which is one of NCIA's like most amazing events that we do. It's not a trade show. It's not the panels. It is, you know, three or 400 cannabis industry professionals descending upon Washington, D.C. and meeting with all these offices, with, with all these members of Congress, um, that's something that we weren't able to do last year in 2020, uh, nor were we able to do that uh, this first half of the year. Um, now that the fencing is coming down, I hear, whew, um, uh -huh. you know, it's, it's still not completely open like it used to be, but getting back to doing our lobby days is probably the most exciting thing for me. So I'm just, I'm just like sitting on my hands here waiting for, for it to be okay for us to start planning lobby days again. Um, that's truly, truly my favorite event and an opportunity to, you know, push this legislation forward. We have the Moore Act, Safe Banking Act, and now the newest one, the CAOA. We, it doesn't have a, um, a nice, you know, ring to it, like safe banking or right. Safe, ba safe banking like rolls <laughs> off the tongue, right? Like that's a, sure a good does. One, but yeah, they need, they need a little bit more promotion with that. Yeah. Well, I hope to see you at these trade shows and then whenever lobby days happens again, the cannabis industry lobby days, hope to see your team there as well, but thank lobby you. Lobby day sounds fun. Yeah. Lobby oh. day sounds like, I think I'm going to pencil that in. Uh, yeah, we, we don't have any dates yet, but as soon as you hear us promoting lobby over, days, please. oh yes. gosh, it's, it's the best. It is just the best event. It's so exciting. So I look forward to seeing you at all those events and where can listeners find out more about Grow America Builders? Oh, just uh, our website, www.growamericabuilders.com. Um, and you know, we're all over social media and just, um, you know, you'll find us pretty easily just by doing a Google search. Fantastic. Well, thank you again for joining me today, David. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry. Boys, until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.